Brookwood. JC here. I'm the family pastor at Brookwood Church, and we're starting a new series. Um, it's going to be a three-week series on technology. Now, I really initially began brainstorming this series several months ago uh, before the coronavirus uh, was coming to town. Uh, and I, I thought it was important for us as we talk about families specifically, but also individuals, you know, smartphones, even this device I'm using to, to give this talk are involved in our everyday lives. So I, I wanted this to, to really talk to you about how, uh, what does the Bible have anything to say about that? Does the Bible really uh, have direction for us as followers of Jesus with how to use technology? What's interesting, obviously, is that COVID-19 has entered into our world and kind of changed uh, how we've been operating. Specifically, a lot of people are now working from home. Uh, some kids and students who, who may be sitting next to you right now, they're doing all of their education online. And uh, maybe more apparent than ever, uh, technology is in everything. It's involved in everything that we do. And so what a great time to talk about this, uh, even though this was not the plan originally, what a great time to talk about this now with uh, COVID-19 influencing our lives. So today um, we want to begin by talking just about technology as a whole overall and what, what we need to know about it, what the Bible teaches us and shows us. To begin, I think it's important for us to talk about what technology is and to provide a definition. Now, for the purpose of this series, I'm going to use a definition from an author. His name is John Dyer, and he wrote a book called From the Garden to the City, specifically talking about uh, technology. And the definition that he offers is just this. Technology is the human activity of using tools to transform God's creation for practical purposes. Now, I, I provide that definition because it's got several things to talk about, but honestly, it's just helping us see that technology is broader than just our scope of smartphones, the internet, social media. It's, it's much more than that. In fact, uh, in one of the, the books that I read, it talked about this idea that everything that's invented after we're born, we consider technology, but anything that's happened before we were born, we've just assumed it's it's been that way for our entire lives, for the entire history of the world. That is how uh, things have been. That provides a unique perspective when technology develops at a rapid rate because uh, different generations view technology differently. Uh, in fact, Perry shared a story with me about his dorm room at college. Uh, they had one phone in the hallway, and when it rang, someone would answer it. There was no caller ID. Uh, there was no way to determine who it was that was reaching out, and once they found out who it was uh, on the phone when they answered it, they would yell down the hallway, hey, uh, Perry, the, the call's for you. And so uh, that person would then run down the hallway and, and take the call. Now, that's obviously different. Uh, Perry was also sharing with me, you know, he his grandsons are talking to him on video. Uh, they get to see him and Leanne and their faces and communicate in that way. I know when my, phone, my, my son even talks on the phone, he doesn't hold it up to his ear. Uh, he holds it out here, even if there's no video, uh, which I think is hilarious. He doesn't understand why he can't hear very well when he's holding the phone out here. And so technology is different for different people, but for us, we, we want to look at it in a very broad scope because I think it's important for us to understand technology involves everything. In fact, 
the world that we were placed in um, here on planet Earth. God has designed for us to discover things. He, he created a world of infinite materials and property for us to discover and use when it comes to our world. When you think about things like medicine, God created our bodies in a way that they can function and heal, that we can discover properties and, and medicine to help us uh, in, in our lives. Even proper diet and nutrition are things that we discovered. We discovered the impact that rest and sleep has on our bodies and the fact that our bodies can heal as we sleep every single night. Seeds. In fact, sometimes you can throw seeds on the ground without any extra care or help, and they can grow. God designed our planet to continue to reproduce. Uh, but then you can also have technology that helps you uh, have these seeds produce larger fruit, more fruit. Their growing season can be prolonged. You can take certain materials and make them function in a better and more prolific way. The Wright brothers actually saw a piece of God's creation, a bird, and they saw that it was able to fly. And they wondered, can we create objects that can fly, that can be lifted into the air? And can we make them large enough where they can carry human beings inside? So it's amazing to me when I think about the world as we broaden our scope of what technology truly is. God has made a tremendous place for us to experiment to learn and discover things about who he is and about our world and also to help those in our midst. But I also think it's unique how quickly we are willing as Christians to adopt new technologies, um, things that we may not necessarily know the impact, the consequences, the supposed benefits that these things offer to us, and oftentimes that can lead us down a dangerous path. And for me, it's something that we need to look at and ask the question, what did God really mean for us when he created this planet? What did he mean for us to do? And how can we both take advantage of the wonderful benefits of technology, but also be aware of some of the dangers and risks associated with it? So if you've got your outline, you can take it out. Uh, and if you don't, you can follow along with version. Uh, you can also just take notes, or you can have these conversations in your home. Uh, you can actually pause the video and, and talk about these particular things, which would be uh, very, very unique and interesting. So for, for me, we're going to start this way. Technology enhances serving God. It enhances us serving God. God. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 today, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, talking about the beginning of the world and how God really created this planet and what it means for technology. Genesis 1.28 says this, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish and the sea, birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. You see, God, when he created human beings, he gave them a distinct role in his creation and he also gave us purpose. That purpose was to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and to govern it. This is often called the creation mandate. Now, here's the deal. God could have filled the earth himself. He created human beings out of, out of dust, out of dirt. He didn't need us to fill the earth. He didn't need us to govern or subdue all of his creation. But he chose to allow human beings to participate in the work uh, of his world, in the work of his kingdom. In fact, we see two pieces of technology very early on in the creation story. Adam and Eve participated in two ways very early. Number one, they participated as gardeners. And number two, they participated in building culture, building uh, the very society that they would continue to run. 
Now, we see in these verses that man was given responsibility over tending the garden. He was given responsibility over the birds in the, the sky, the fish in the sea, and all the animals that are on the earth. That word uh, literally means to, to till. Uh, the, the act of cultivating, the act of husbandry uh, is one way that our language describes gardening, of taking care of the earth in such a way that it continues to produce and produce more. So Adam was placed in a perfect environment, but that environment was also the environment that Adam was asked to work in. Uh, so not only does God give us technology, but he's very specific and interested in how we use it. One of the ways that we see that is is this way in Genesis 2, verses 19 and 20. It says this, So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all of the wild animals. Which means God gave him the direction to give them names, to come up with names for these animals, which I'm sure was a hilarious thing to watch and observe. But God didn't just tell him to do this. He was also bringing these animals to him, and he was watching as Adam was creating words to be able to describe these animals. Very unique and interesting thing. So God was interested in a very positive way as Adam was naming all of the things that God created. See, sometimes God even participates in technology himself. We'll even see this later on. But the plans for the ark, uh, a temple, the the immense amount of detail um, and materials and measurements that God gave for those things. And we'll also see later on that he gave an updated, upgraded version of clothing for Adam and Eve. See, God has not only given us the task to serve him, Uh, but he's also interested in what we do, and sometimes he even inserts himself into what we're doing. And I think it's important that as we think about our jobs, as we think about our families, as we think about the things that we cook or the things that we may even grow at our homes, the things that we produce, God is interested in what we're doing. And it's important for us to remember that he can even be involved in those things. I think it's so crucial for us to understand that when we work without prayer, We're missing a key component of our life with God that not only should we depend on God for our work, but we also should be asking and communicating insights into our work. How can I do this in different ways? What are some things I need to be thinking about? What what are some considerations to make that I may not have the knowledge or the insight on, but God most certainly does? Now, God also places boundaries uh, for us to use when it comes to technologies. And we'll see this in Adam and Eve, is there was one piece of fruit that God had asked them not to eat. But before we do that, do you consider your job, your work, your skill, your talent as a gift from God? Do you ask yourself, God, why did, why did, why did God give me this talent? Why did he give me this ability? What does he desire for me to do in this work? Have you asked God how he would like to use your gift or skill or talent that he gave to you? So not only does technology uh, enable us to serve God in a better way, it enhances the way that we serve God, but technology can also extend a temptation to us. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says this, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, as we discussed. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. 
So we see here the big responsibility that God gave to Adam in the garden, and we also see the boundary that God gave to him. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think this boundary did for Adam? Now, I think it's important that you really answer that question because it says a lot about how we view God. Oftentimes, it says a lot about how we view our parents and how they placed boundaries on us and what that meant for us. But God, who created a perfect environment, an environment that gave Adam responsibility, stewardship over the creation, he gave him specific gifts and talents as he did all those things. At this point, there's nothing at all that we can see from God that's negative on Adam's behalf. In fact, it seems like he just gave a warning to Adam that was only for the benefit of Adam himself. And I think it protected him. I think that this boundary was meant to be useful for Adam, to help maintain the health of his body. See, anytime that God gives us a boundary or a limit, it's for our benefit. It's not for God's benefit. It's for our own. God lovingly puts those boundaries in place. In Genesis 3-6, we see this fruit as uh, Eve looks upon it. The verse says, The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. She saw that its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. You can see that this fruit, that the temptation that this fruit gives to Eve, uh, even though she was told not to eat that particular fruit, she was even told what would happen if she did eat that particular fruit. She decided to eat it anyway. In fact, she decided that she wanted the wisdom and not just the piece of fruit. See, culture tells us the same things. It, it tells us the same thing about our technology that we can, we can create, we can do, we can be whatever we want to be. Uh, there are no boundaries when we think about technology, when we think about what culture teaches us. There are no boundaries that culture gives to us. So technology tempts us to be more than what we are. Not only things like a quiet time can be uh, taken away from us with this temptation, but also emotions like pain, sorrow, grief, joy, happiness, uh, things like our initiative, risk, even relationship building are all things that can be affected by the distraction of technology. Now, what I appreciate about the freedom that's given to us in Christ Jesus is the amount of potential that we have to do good in this planet. But I oftentimes think that we would rather be entertained or distracted rather than truly taking on the risk to be an effective disciple of Christ. In fact, I think it's oftentimes worse that we even use our technology as a substitute for God. Let me, let me ask you this question. What's one tool or one piece of technology that you have in your home that distracts you from spending more time with God or more time with your family? Now, I know when I ask these questions, you're not here to answer back, uh, but I really do think it's useful for you to say out loud, what's one distraction that you have to deal with? Even sharing it with your kids or your spouse or someone that you're connected with, uh, I, I think it's important for you to share. What is that distraction? Now, I'll give you one. Netflix, Hulu, these streaming services, these things that we know we could spend an immense amount of time on are a distraction for us. I don't think it's a coincidence that Netflix will automatically move to the next episode after you finish watching one. I think it's designed that way on purpose. In fact, the CEO of Netflix one time said that their main competition in the marketplace was sleep. 
Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem like a healthy thing to be competing against. And for us, we've got to ask ourselves the question, do we allow these streaming services to keep us from meaningful connections and interactions with both our family and with God? Now, one distraction that happens during the fall was this fruit. Adam and Eve ate that fruit. But then, what happened after that? Genesis 3.8 says this, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Now, I, I think this is interesting. Adam and Eve could have just slowed down. They could have asked the question, what does God really think about this? Hey, the serpent has told us some things that we didn't think we knew, but God told us other things. God, God you're out there. You're walking around. What do we need to know about this? The serpent just told us something different than what you said. What, what do we need to know? What am I missing, God? Can you please help me understand how Satan has told me something different than what you've shared? But see, they didn't do that. They rushed to a decision. They didn't think fully about the consequences. In fact, they only thought about what they thought would be a benefit to them. You know, sometimes I hear that the church is behind in technology, and it's always viewed as a negative thing. Now, I'm someone who grew up with technology. I can remember playing the Oregon Trail in first grade. It's actually where I learned about dysentery uh, uh, from a video game that I played in school. Uh, I learned about social media when I was in college, when uh, Facebook was only given to those with college email addresses. And so for me, I think it's important to know technology is not something that I would say is new when it comes to smartphones and internet and social media. It's something that I grew up learning how to use. And sometimes I've also been in the camp of wondering, why doesn't the church adopt some of these technologies? But I think after reading this passage in Scripture and thinking about it, I think it's good sometimes that churches wait to see how things pan out. I think it's good for us to ask the question, what are the implications for us using this particular technological device or service? And while it may make our lives easier, what, at what cost does it really benefit our lives? I'll give you an example of this. Text messaging is one of those things all of us would say is a tremendous benefit. Um, but I wonder if we have less difficult conversations because of text messaging. I've heard a number of times from people in my age group how they hate talking on the phone. They hate having conversations on the phone. I wonder if their benefit that they see, that it's easier and it's faster to just text somebody, I wonder if easier and faster is truly the point of effective communication. Is it really about us communicating what we need to as fast and as efficiently as possible? Isn't communication about building relationships? Isn't it about being understood and understanding the person that we talk to? In fact, I wonder sometimes if we use text messages to stop some of the painful things that we might have to experience. In fact, oftentimes, if we took the opportunity to make a phone call, I would bet that more likely we're about to pray about the conversation that we're about to have because we don't know what the person might say to us on the other line. What trade-offs are we willing to make in our lives in order to adopt the latest and greatest and fastest and most efficient technology? And is it really worth that investment? Technology also encourages self-reliance. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 says this, At that moment their eyes were opened up, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to, co to cover themselves. Now, they were told by the serpent that they would be wise. 
But instead, what we see immediately is that they were filled with shame, something that had never existed in their relationship with God, their relationship with one another. They felt shameful. They had forsaken the generosity and the love of a perfect father for a piece of fruit and the promise of something better. Then, after their perfect environment became infected with sin because of their choice, they tried to fix it with technology by covering their shame with clothing. But not only did that technology not fix their shame, it also placed a boundary between themselves and God. Now, it's a boundary that they placed there themselves. It's a boundary that they decided to put there. But that clothing was never meant to be something between them and God. There was never meant to be a boundary between Adam and Eve and God. There was never meant to be an obstacle between us and our relationship with God. God never desired for anything to be between us and Him. He always desires intimacy with us and closeness with us. Now, not only are we tempted to make technology our idol, but we're also, we're also tempted to fix the problem ourselves. Technology, fulfilling our purpose as human beings, also became more difficult as a result of the fall. Now, Genesis 3, 14 through 19 lays out these difficulties, but I just want to summarize this, that for us, all of our responsibilities that God gave us as a human being were affected by the fall. Having children, working the ground, filling the earth, using technology to discover the immense amount of creativity that God had placed into our planet, all was negatively affected by the fall of mankind. All of the wonderful responsibilities of being distinctly human were forever altered. See, this land that we work is fighting against us. We struggle with infertility. We can't communicate to others effectively. All of the things that were given to us to create in this world are affected negatively because of sin. Now we feel these struggles. In one hand, they can lead us to longing for more intimacy, more connection, and ultimately for one day for Jesus to come back and fix forever all of these things. But on the other hand, they can distract us from the real pain issues that we have in our lives. And we can use technology to miss out on healing for ourselves and our issues and also growth and intimacy and connection with not only God but with the others uh, that we live with in this world. While Adam and Eve attempted to fix their problem apart from God, God entered into their pain with something much better. Now, we attempt to use technology to fix our problems, but it's not enough. God must provide something better, and he does. God's solutions to our problems are always the best solutions because he understands us better than we can even understand ourselves. And we see this in Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Now, we later find out that this clothing was better for them because it was uh, going to last longer. It was going to protect them from the, the environment more than these fig leaves would have, and it would have covered their bodies more fully to, again, deal with their shame. But not only is this clothing better, not only does God insert himself in techno technologically to offer a better solution for Adam and Eve in protecting themselves, but he also foreshadows the ultimate solution to all of our sin with this clothing. See, God gave us the picture in the garden that one day, in order to find true forgiveness for our sins, in order to truly fix the shame and the guilt that we feel, 
blood would have to be shed. And he sacrificed one of his animals in order to make this better piece of clothing for Adam and Eve. Hebrews 9.22 says it this way, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And while those sins weren't fully forgiven through the sacrifice of that animal, it did give us a picture for us to look forward to with our sins, that one day Jesus would have to shed his blood in order for our sins to be forgiven. But the picture wasn't just of shedding of blood. It was also of clothing. In fact, Isaiah 61.10 says it in this way, that I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Jesus offers us a robe of righteousness, meaning that when we clothe ourselves, the very thing that Adam and Eve used to separate themselves from God, God uses to connect us to him. Through Jesus' sacrifice, not only are sins forgiven, but we're also made righteous and we're dressed up to the nines through what Jesus offers us in his sacrifice. Now, maybe you feel like all this stuff, all of the planet, all of creation is working against you. Maybe you'll think, never will I get there, never, never will I experience peace, love, joy, satisfaction, the way that Scripture talks about it. But I want to share with you, God is offering you peace. He's offering you a brand new life. He's offering you even a new heart that desires the things of God. And if you surrender to him, he will grant you forgiveness of sin, forgiveness of your sins. He will also give you a brand new heart with brand new desires, full of peace, full of joy, full of love for the things of God. Now, if you're watching this and you needed a reminder as a follower of Jesus uh, that you're loved, that you're cared for, that this is an opportunity for you to just step back to God and be reminded that He loves you, that the only thing that's between you and God is something that you've placed there, that God has made every provision for you to have intimacy and connection with Him. So take that opportunity right now to thank Him for the fact that He is welcoming you with open arms. If you're someone who's never uh, in, embraced, trusted the sacrifice of Christ for your life, but you're watching this and you're thinking to yourself, I, I would love that opportunity. God's Spirit is connecting with me. I'm, I'm hearing God speak to me right now that I need to take that step. Uh, then I'm just going to ask you to, to reach out to someone in the comments to actually put right now, I'd like to talk to someone about salvation. I'd like to talk to someone about my relationship with God. In fact, we've got volunteers right now who would be willing to have that conversation with you if you just drop something in the comments. Uh, if you're watching this on our website, you can see some options below this screen where you can click on some of these options to connect with us, to share a prayer request, uh, and to give. But if I can just share this with you, technology is a wonderful gift given to us by God, but it also offers us tremendous temptation. It, it offers us a substitute for God. And so while I enjoy the fact that I can sit in a chair that I don't have to stand the entire day, while well, I can enjoy the fact that my home has heat and air conditioning. Uh, there are, are costs to all those things. And for me, none of those should ever substitute for intimacy, connection with God. I hope that you'll stick with us as we continue this series in the next couple weeks. And I hope that as you think about the technology in your home, you begin to talk about as a family, what do we want to be about? 
Is this technology promoting uh, a faithful, intimate relationship with God? Or is this technology distracting us from dealing with what we truly need to deal with in our hearts and in our lives? Brookwood, I love you. I can't wait till we gather again together in person. And I'm praying for you this week as you uh, go to work, as you stay in your homes, as you think about the ways that, that Christ is interacting with us in this new environment. And i I just like to pray for you right now as we close today. Let's pray. God, we love you. I'm so thankful that you placed us in a planet for us to discover and uh, understand new things. I'm thankful that flowers have color and smell. I'm thankful that, that when we eat, things taste differently. I'm thankful that we can find ways to uh, enhance part of our lives, to amplify the call and the purpose that you've put on us. I'm, I'm thankful that you've created people uniquely with talents and gifts. But God, so often this technology can distract us from you. And we do that willingly sometimes. So God, I, I ask you to forgive us of our, of our brazenness, of our pride, of our hubris. And God, I ask you just to enter into our, our life, enter into our world, and continue to convince us of your love for us. God, I pray if there is someone who's never embraced Christ, but after hearing uh, the creation mandate and thinking to themselves, I, did, I had no idea that God created us to, to discover things about this life, to, to actually use things like science and, and English and, and mathematics to discover things about our planet. I, I'd be more interested in learning about this God. I, I pray that someone would take that step today. I pray for us and as we lead our families and as we lead in our workplaces and in our communities to be faithful stewards of the creation that you've given us. Thank you for the wonderful creativity that you've displayed. Help us to honor you in the way that we do it and not to be distracted, to dull away our pain, to dull away the things that we should honestly seek to figure out. Lord, we love you and I'm so thankful for what you're doing in our lives. Help us this week. It's in the name of Jesus we're able to pray these things. Amen. Have a great week, Brookwood. Hey, Brookwood family, my name is Josh Masters. I'm one of the pastors here at Brookwood Church, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online service. We also want to encourage you to visit our website for all the latest ways that you can serve, keep connected, and stay social while we're separated from this pandemic. You can also download the Brookwood Church app, and that's a great way to keep up to date on what's happening and find the daily readings that are connected and go with today's service. If you'd like to join Brookwood in caring for others by bringing the gospel into our homes, into the community, and even into the world now, we would love to have you do that. You can give by going to our website, by using the Brookwood Church app, or if you'd like, you can use the mailing address that's on your screen right now. We want you to know that the Brookwood Church staff and the pastors are still here. We're working hard remotely to support and serve our Brookwood family and our community. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can use our phone number or you can use our email address. Now we wanna remind you, if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like our Facebook page if you haven't already done so. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and hit that bell so that you don't miss any of our future videos. Remember, we are still the church. We're the church no matter where we meet, when we meet, or how we meet. So let's keep building one another up. Thanks for being part of our service, and we'll see you next time.
Store me, so I'll 